Welcome to The Lumber Word, where industry veterans Matt Beamer, Greg Riley, and Ashley Buckle dissect the world of commodity lumber each week. We bring you up-to-date insights on supply, demand, and market trends, sharing our trading expertise to benefit everyone in the supply chain. Join us for informative and entertaining discussions that guarantee to make you wiser about all things lumber. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode being recorded on February 7th, 2024 of The Lumber Word. We have Matt Beamer from Hampton Lumber Sales, Greg Riley, Sitka USA. I'm Ashley Buckle from Sitka. And riding along with us today, and will be joining us periodically over this year, since we were just laughing about how we know nothing about Southern Pine, Charles De La Torre from Industrial Forest Products. We had uh, one of the people that Charles works with, I'm always, I never want to say boss, Charles. No, because that, don't that's, say that. It, we, uh, all, we all Casey, fight the trenches together. There we'll we do. go. Casey was on a couple of weeks ago. Great feedback. So, and Charles, you and I have done some stuff in the past on shows before we trade together also. So why don't you explain a little bit about what you, your company does, who you are, where you're at, and uh, and then we'll move on. Uh, we are real active in the semi alpine market as well as uh, panels, primarily OSB. Real active in the multifamily business and low-grade industrial. And we've got two remand facilities in South Carolina, and we reload semi alpine all over the southeast, as well as some getting into some other species. So it works out really well. We, we've also got some shed trim production and a, and a Euro premium no-aim product. So a little bit of diversification there, but overall we've got the asset-based side as far as manufacturing, but also a lot of mill direct business as well. Sounds great. I, I guess uh, I also hear you and Greg talking on the phone a lot together, trading back and forth. I, I have to tell you that that's sometimes one of the highlights of my day, listening to you guys, especially if Greg has it on speakerphone. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a real treat. You better have your muck boots ready, Ash. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I've got the gun boots on, man. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go duck hunting up to my waist when you guys are talking. No doubt. Uh, so let's let's jump real quick into an intro um, on the market from last week. I think everybody has been sitting here expecting things to move a little bit higher, if I could say that. Uh, some things disappointed in the last week. Some things didn't disappoint. But it seems the theme is nobody wants to build an extra inventory at the end use level, and we'll talk a little bit about a little bit more about that in the future in this podcast. But you know, there was featured items. Everything seems to be. You go, Greg and I were talking before the show. Everything he goes, you mean Ash? Everything supply and demand seems to be in check. I'm like, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's the term I'm looking for. So. I guess I'll kind of tack over to Matt, like the Pacific Northwest, Western Spruce, Texas. And we talked last week, Greg and I were busy last week. You were busy the week before. We were all taking our turn. What did you see this week so far? You know, I, dude, I, I sent you and Greg an email on some stuff yesterday. And I, I said, I'm busy, but I'm not busy. If that makes any sense. I don't know if you remember me sending you that in our correspondence back and forth on some Euro stuff that we we've got on with you, but, uh, you know, that, that kind of describes my week. Now today I'm a lot busier than I was yesterday. I just got hit with a bunch of orders here in the last hour, trucks and cars. So it's, it's just, 
I don't know. There's no real flow to it. There's no real rhyme or reason. But whatever happens at the end of the day, when I count up the number of cars and trucks I sold, it's surprisingly good. And so I don't know what that means. I'm not reading much into it. I do feel like weather's still a factor and time of year is still a factor. But, you know, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm not like panicky busy, but I'm busy enough to, to pay my bills and, and not you know, go to the poor house. So are those orders that you're getting right now, ones you expected, or are they coming out of kind of out of right field? Nothing is expected. I, I expected, you know, the business that I wanted to sell earlier in the week, I wasn't getting any of that. And so like, if I'd send an email out or talk to the traders on the floor going, here's what I want to sell. It just fell on deaf ears. And then I'd get orders on things I didn't want to sell, or I wasn't advertising that I wanted to sell. And those were surprises. And so Today's the first day where I'm selling what I want to sell and I'm selling what I want to sell at my prices. I'm not having to negotiate. I'm not, I've got the fish are swimming towards the ship, right? And my bait's working. But for the rest of the week, it's been me making outbound phone calls and me responding to other people's inquiries on things I didn't even know that they wanted to buy. And so how do you read into that? I don't, I just, it's February. And so, uh, you know, I'll take what I can get. I'm happy that I'm I'm having some success this week, but I don't I don't read much into it in the long term big picture. Thanks, Matt. It's perfect. Greg and I were talking yesterday. Quoting seems to be we're quoting a lot and we're following up on trucks that people just did like last week that we said we're gonna ship in two to three weeks. And there's a lot of business, like we said, we're quoting and if you put a cheap enough number on it, you get the business. Or if it's a hard enough order, you get the business, right? But some of them when you circle back at the end of the day you're like hey thought you'd get a bunch of those trucks of x and you didn't get them right so greg what what, what do you think on uh, on euro eastern uh multifamily take it however you want to i've been describing the market as sharply sideways <laughs> uh, <laughs> i mean there's good liquidity mills distribution are selling readily every day or every other day to Matt's point, you know, you have a day where you sell a lot of the things that you want to sell. You have a day where you sell, you, you get a bunch of orders that you weren't expecting. Mills are having the same thing. You know, one day a mill is discounting something a little bit. The next day they're firm, but somebody else has something. Prices aren't really changing a lot. I did see a, I did see a featured item had a little bit of an uptick in random links. Not that, you know, I put a lot of credibility in anything that the publication does and no disrespect to the people at Rissi. The market is really well balanced right here. Two features in Eastern Spruce. Normally this time of year, there's a lot of production problems. It's really cold. The dryers aren't working. The Canadian National doesn't seem to be able to work properly. We have none of that this year. The distribution system is flowing very, very smoothly. There's no hiccups in it. So that's one of the things that I think is acting to keep the market kind of in balance. If we all of a sudden had some supply disruptions, I think that would impact the market. But it doesn't appear that we're going to have that. You know, mills consistently, everybody tells me that they are, the mills are not making money. And I like to say is that everybody can lose money for a while, but nobody can lose money forever. So I'm not sure when we hit that tipping point. You've never been to Vegas with me, have you? <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, but we should go. I want to go see. Uh, I want <laughs> you should go. go see, you should go like right now. This would be no, a perfect no, no, time no, to no. go to Vegas. <laughs> no, I, hey, I. <laughs> it's going to be a big weekend. I mean, what a great, what a great venue for the uh, for the Super Bowl. But no, I want to go and see YouTube in the Sphere, which I hear is like absolutely amazing. Wow. Yeah, to, to quit uh, multifamily. Well, I got a question Start- though. I got a question. Yeah, speaking on on euro and and supply chains and disruptions and all that. I mean, if you look at all all of your stock links eight through sixteen and and spruce, whether it's euro, eastern, western. I mean, the biggest, I guess, highest price item has has been sixteen foot, right? So, what does that from a from an experienced spruce trader? What does that tell you based on everything else? Considering the fact that most Euro mills primarily bring in 16s, 12s, 14s, and shorter are, yeah, I got one or two, maybe three on a, on a vessel. You know, I mean, one of the things, Charles, is that we've seen is 16s went from being really, really under, you know, like undervalued. They pulled back and then they had a, you know, a big, a big move. If I look the last, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 weeks, 16s haven't changed much in price. I could say that maybe they're actually a little weaker over that time period. You know, $600, the port is a number that they're really happy with. You know, what I've seen is they've shifted production from other items and shipping more 2x4 16s. Okay, Charles, that's what, uh, Craig, that's what you kind of mentioned this morning when we were talking. And a bunch of people are calling me now saying, hey, do you have 16s that I can uh, lock in with you in a, in a month or two? It's like, so everybody's everybody wants to always buy the overvalued and everybody wants to ship the overvalued, right? So I think you were saying that what will probably happen is those vessels will probably have a lot of 16s on them coming in the future, right? I'd rather own 12s. Bingo. <laughs> me and you think alike. Yeah, but, yeah, but, we're going we're to have to cut yeah, that one out. We don't want everybody to know that. <laughs> yeah, but they're, you know, I mean, they're not going to like, they, they, you know, they, there's no incentive to ship 12s well, in the, I mean, the 400. My, my, my point is if the Europeans, which last week Thomas said point blank, there's just going to be less lumber coming over. And I believe them. I have no reason not to. Then what they do ship over will be heavier to the lengths that we want to buy. They can pick and choose what we want to buy. And they know what we want to buy. We want to buy $600, 2416s. The market's been telling them that since August. But I don't think that the price of two before 16 is really going to fluctuate all that much. I don't see a big mountain of two before 16 production coming from the Western mills, whether it's Hemlock or Spruce out of Canada or Alberta or any of the inland mills. They're not going to ramp up their two before. We're already maxed out on two before 16s. We can't make any more. So those will still hold their value. But when things are overvalued or at a, at a proper set value, you start looking for the undervalued stuff. You know, I mean, 10s are too cheap right now. 12s are too cheap right now. 14s were too cheap three months ago. Yeah. Dude, I bought some 14s premium from a fancy pants mill in British Columbia for $460 delivered to Austin, Texas back in September, October timeframe. And they're worth $560 now. So that's the kind of stuff that I'd like to see more of. Like, hey, right now I think 10s and 12s are undervalued. Don't care about 16s. I'll be able to buy more 16s at 600 right? But I won't be able to buy more 10s at 380 mil or 360 mil, more 12s at those prices. At some point, those will change. To kind of to kind of piggyback on that, though, as far as 16 goes, I mean, what, what does that tell us about market consumption? Because if you look at multifamily, you, Ash, you asked Greg to talk about this. Yeah, but no, a, and I wanted you to talk about of, too. But a lot of multifamily, they're not using a, a boatload of euro. 
and a load, a lot of that Euro 16 foot is going to distribution or your pro dealer yards, correct? At least in the Southeast. So what does that tell us about single family? Because that has been the biggest worry all year. Hey, quick question though, Charles, with that, what you just said, why don't people use Euro in multifamily? There's a bit of a gray area. <laughs> is it because they You're just don't know? Fir spruce. We're talking about spruce Euro. I don't think it has the strength value. Okay. And there's been some issues in the past that kind of haven't have and have not been addressed. So people just shy away from it. So, I mean, I, I, I guess I understand 12 and longer and, and Canadian, right? But right. Right now they're not. And is the cheapest thing to deliver. Yeah. So we'll talk about multifamily and, you know, multifamily AFS, you know, to the cheapest Southern yellow pine, it's spruce or Southern yellow pine market area that lowest cost item. but yeah i mean my my main question was is, is single family for i think a lot of us was was kind of a concern and once again that euro 16 foot goes to distribution and pro dealer and if they're consuming and they're getting that much of a premium or right size pricing as, as y'all are describing what does that tell us about single family as a whole if that consumption metrics there is it stronger than we anticipate it are people anticipating things due to rate drops coming what 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 is the driver of that I'll just be real quick at the beginning of the year, going into 2024, the people that I sell to that are in that business, they all told me it'd be flat to up maybe 10% was kind of their expectation. Mainly flat was what they expected. I personally believe single family is going to be better than that. Uh, and, and the reason is has nothing to do with anything other than two things. It's election year. I think the feds are going to do everything they can to grease the skids economically. That's going to entice builders to build. But I also think that with the, the mortgage rates sort of normalizing around 6%, people aren't shocked anymore by these huge jump from 2.75 to 8. Now it's just stabilized at 6. And, you know, we can live with 6. You know, I think what causes uncertainty in, in terms of a builder deciding to go buy some property and throw some slabs on it is wild fluctuations in valuations and in interest rates and land costs and labor costs, right? Well, now that we kind of know where we're going to be for a while, and it looks positive that it'll stay here or maybe even drop a little bit, I think that that gives these guys some incentive to to do a little bit more than what, what they initially expected to when they were drawing the plans up in August or September last year. So I'm not like crazy bullish on single family, but I'm certainly not bearish on it. And I think it's going to surprise people. I feel the same thing about multifamily. I think a lot of the money problems that were facing the multifamily guys last year and the year before are kind of going by the wayside. So there's my answer. Greg, were you, did you have a thought on that one too? We're home builders, builders first source stock, I'm highs. If I'm existing homes being at a record low and new homes being the house historic anything that's going to change that so i look for new home starts and sales to close to it's where it's at all things being equal my card is is multi-back in the fall with one of the economists that we keep trying to get him he, he's very elusive he's a very elusive guy to track him down he was saying that so he said. So he was saying that multifamily is 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 going to be about twenty percent of the of new home construction. Is that what I heard, Greg? Yep. So you heard. But it's okay. You're down. It's so multifamily was down twenty percent for okay. 
Charles, so one, the one thing we started this off by saying, we don't know anything about Pine. I got all excited a few weeks ago and then looked at print and saw that it wasn't that exciting. And then somebody told me that one of the mills sold a bunch of two by 10 yesterday. What's going on with Pine? Your guess is as good as mine. Um, but I think, you know, I, I got some big shoes to fill because Casey kind of put on a real good speech. He's a little bit better of a public speaker than I am on the last episode. But Pine as a whole, there it's kind of reacting the way he described it just happened it took a little bit longer to happen i mean as of middle of the week last week we've seen some people step in and make decisions right i mean they're buying chunks and they're getting coverage just because there's value right and and mm -hmm. setting up those custom supply chain solutions that we can do that a lot of people can't is bringing a lot of people back into the market that quite frankly would wait till it goes to zero you know your select items you mentioned two before 16 southern yellow southern yellow pine i mean those things have been cleaned up. I mean, rinse and repeat. And things are firming up. I mean, mills are up, even though print's not. But I mean, we all know that this market we're in is operating more as a free market versus a data-driven market than it ever has before, right? Historical data, in this instance, where we're at today, does, your guess is as good as mine, right? All you got to do, and I think Matt mentioned this, is just participate. Some days you sell what you want, some days you don't. And sometimes you overprice things because you may or may not want the business and you end up getting it, right? It's, it, there's, there's a lot of variables that go, go into it, but the biggest thing for us is managing our order file and, and that supply chain. Yeah. The, the market as a whole, I, it's got runway if things set up the way they need to. Yeah, there's plenty of orders to quote unquote you can lunge at right now. The ones that you take, <laughs> it, the ones that you take when you're driving home and you're like going, why did I do that? Yes. Been, been, been <laughs> yeah. done that. No, honestly, Ashley, along those lines, I, I was asked that type of question, you know, and, and I, and I said, look, I've, I've seen here in the last week or two that patience is paying me. And so I don't feel like lunging at orders that are going to make me look back and regret, you know, like, why did I do that? Just cause I was bored. I didn't sell enough that morning. And so I took something in my career. That's usually a bad idea. I mean, it's not like this is August. I've had a couple so, of those mornings over caffeinated where I came in and I'm like, I'm selling something today. And thank God I had somebody to walk me off the ledge on that one or walk me back from the ledge, not off the ledge. Did, did Greg tell you that you were being a bitch again? He just said, Hey man, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and so that's a day. There's at least one opportunity per day to do that. Matt. But generally I'll call, I'll call myself, I'll call myself yeah. out. I'll call myself out. Quick thing here I wanted to show you guys. So before we before the show, I just went through one of the big home, I won't say which one, home center, a couple of their items that they're selling. So like in Chicago, I'm pretty sure I did my bath, math right. Uh, two by four, 104 and five ace, 640 bucks a thousand, $3.84 a piece, right? Um, I think I'm doing my math right, 384 divided by six board feet. Two by six, 104 and five ace, Prime stud, premium stud, $674 a thousand. Then I went down to Raleigh and I said, what are two by four 16s trading at? It's just a random store in Raleigh on their on their list. $9.82. So divided by 10.6667, that's 920 bucks a thousand. Two by four 105s in Raleigh, $770 a thousand. So let's talk about price inelasticity or elasticity. If you're listening to the show and you're a builder or anybody else, this is one of those where you may want to shop some stuff. If you're just going into your local home center and just paying it off the shelf and loading it in your 
country squire wagon, right? Um, <laughs> it, it's a. Uh, I, I I was shocked when I saw some of the prices on uh, on on some of these just lists. I'm sure there's deals and sales at other places, but I think some of these yards are getting so big and and less competition. There's not a lot of following the market down like we see what we see every day versus what the end user sees, right? This is the time of year where it starts to perk up. Let's go into the uh, Mary date dump thing, and then that'll come up. We'll talk well, about real, that. Real I'll quick, talk about that. In, inventory. Inventory. How much inventory is at different parts of the node from mills to end users? Where is the inventory setting right now? Mostly in the mill yard or the distribution facility. I mean, I don't think end users are going to spend any money on inventory when they can get a free flow of lumber when they need it. Totally and, and a lot right of big now. retailers have VMIs and contracts. So why should they change what they've been doing for the last year and a half? Hundred percent. Yep. They're saving money, but you know, they're not carrying massive interest bills, and they're letting us do it for them. So why would they change? So, I mean, Charles, Greg, do you agree that's where kind of the inventory is being kept or not kept right now? It, and I guess my question is, if so. So that's I, I guess the point is, what is going to be the hand of God event or something that happens? To change all this, or is it not going to change? I mean, obviously, if unknown, we could, unknown. I was going to say everything that's transpired over the past eight to ten months, and curtailments, and people moving in and out, and taking shifts off, and all—I mean, these are all things that had to happen, right? And I, I'm speaking yeah. primarily from our background, but with all the new production that's been built in the southeast, I mean, a lot of this stuff is driven by tax breaks, right? Whether it's municipal, state, whatever. And, and that production has to stay online for a certain amount of time. So as far as we're concerned, it's going to have to be a legacy guy that has just had enough. And I don't know, you know, based on the heavy foreign investment in the Southeast and Southern Yellow Pine, I think them shutting down other assets and parlaying that production and, and trying to do a good job of, of specie swap, right? That's going to be, that's going to be tell the tape and how successful they are at that. I mean, I don't think outside of that, unless we have some insane hurricanes and production just gets destroyed down here, stumpage gets astronomical and mills have to shut down. I mean, these guys made so much money. They spent money to upgrade these older mills and a lot, you know, some of them are still waiting on equipment. So that's the other thing. I I don't know. I, I, you just got to play, play the game. You got to show up, swing the bat. That's it. That's great. There is a, there's two things that are going on in British Columbia that are going to be a problem going forward and an immediate problem, not a long term. I mean, both immediate and long term. Uh, one is that the Canadian government, the, the NDP party has gone to a, a new system of forest timber license management that involves consultation with all of the First Nations tribes. And so that's an article that. I could forward you guys after this if you want to. That was on the Globe and Mail earlier in the week, and um, somebody sent it to me, and I read that. And I I talked to the president of Hampton. I talked to the people that run all of our production in British Columbia, and I to me it's a concern. And their response to me was exactly what I thought. It's going to slow down and put another layer of bureaucracy uh, into place that's going to make it harder to get the logs from the forest to the sawmill for British Columbia and any areas in Alberta that, that involve first nations um, 
codependency. So there's two things that have occurred in the last five years in terms of uh, Canada in the West that are crimping production and making it more expensive to do business up there is the NDP party set aside big swaths of land due to caribou protection, right? That was their version of the spotted owl. No, no kidding. I'm not making this stuff up. Anyone can read about it. And now the next thing that they're doing, which nobody's talking about, but I'm aware of now, and I'm broadcasting it here with you, is that they're going into this uh, quasi-private-public partnership with the First Nations tribes on how to handle the future of the forest. And, and how is that going to affect you know, all of us producers? Well, I, I just think it's going to create a whole nother round of red tape for people. And what does red tape do? It slows things down and makes things more expensive. So, and I think it's by design, honestly. I think the Canadian government has basically told the timber industry, we don't really support you anymore. And as opposed to in that period from 2004 to 2016, when they wanted to get rid of all those dead blue logs. And they're like, yes, we'll do anything you want us to do to support you. What do you need? And they worked with them. And now they've just completely done a 180. So that is going to make more production go away over the next several years in Canada, in Western Canada. Who knows what the Eastern guys are going to deal with, but that's what's happening out West. Great, great points, Matt. A question for all of you. Who is buying $700 finger joint studs? Not it. People are buying Not them. It. There are, there are people buying them and they bought them this week. And, and, and so, why do you trade any of those, Matt? Yeah, I do. Uh, they're, they're being traded to people that specified they wanted finger joints for contractual obligations and they've got contractual obligations on the flip side and that's exactly what they want. And those builders use only finger joints. So there, there are people that you just use finger joints because they just don't want to mess around with solid studs. How does there that are. market trade? Is that a very uh, liquid market or is it just, it's a pretty tight Market. It's just a niche. So it would be like, uh, how does, how does one by 12 Idaho white pine trade? It just, it trades to the people that buy it. And, and, and there's a few people that make it. There's only a handful of producers that make finger joints anymore. I mean, there's a couple of us producers and there's a couple Canadian producers, both East and West, and that's it. And then there's 20 accounts in the United States that buy them on purpose. And that's it. It's a very niche market. It'd be like, uh, Yellow pine two by six number three eight footers. Who buys those? Who's everybody makes them, but who buys them? Right? Not yet. You're not going to sell this to a retail yard. I'm get. I'm guessing the mills making finger joint studs. Those those parts of the mill are are, are probably highly profitable at this point. Charles, what's the discount for two by six, two by four? Hey, the spruce. Uh, it's it's pretty large. I mean, it's an X at. I mean, <laughs> if you just use print numbers, I mean, it's over. It's over one hundred and fifty dollars a thousand. Well over one hundred and fifty. Yeah, that's so, what I was gonna I say. Mean, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's and Ash, Ash and I were talking this morning. And I just, I mean, he asked me about it, and I was like, I, I you either want them and like them, and you pay for them, or you don't. I mean, it's just like when you go buy a new car, you choose what you want, you no matter what the price is, I guess. I, I mean, know. I've been watching the finger joint market for years. And it's something I've traded for 20 plus years and like once or twice a year, usually once at least it just does this. It just goes on a $150 tear and gets completely out of whack in terms of the, what the price really relative to solid studs should be. And then it'll, it'll come back to earth at some point, but it, it just does this. And it's basically due to the fact that there's a limited amount of production. 
You know, it's not like we're going to build new finger joint mills, right? And and the finger joint mills can't just double production next week because the price went up. It just doesn't work that way. They need raw material. They're taking a low grade or a fall down product, a two before eight footer or six footer or something like that. And it needs to be priced right. If it's not priced right, then they won't make them. Makes sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And I think that's also one of the reasons why the no grade stamp and the short studs are also hard to find right now because any cheap fiber you can find is probably going into finger joints. For sure. Right? Which would yep. which kind of lifts all lifts the tide of all the stuff around North America. Are you uh, ready to do the thing? Let's go into our favorite segment. Marry date or break up, Charles. I think you know how this one goes. You you pick an item you want to marry, talk about why you want to, one you want to date. And then when you want to break up with, you want to be careful the way you talk about it, because if your significant other wife listens to this, you'll get a lot of questions later about what you meant by that. So uh, um, I might be a little it, biased it, in my answer, but I mean, all so of a sudden, you want to go first or do you yeah, want me to go I'll first? Go first. I thought you go wanted ahead. me to go first. Go for it. You got uh, it. Mary, obviously, any seven yellow pine trim, everything's been undervalued for quite a while. Water production. Things are firming. People are stepping in the market and buying volume. One big thing that we're seeing too is, locking and pricing on forward basis. And that's where those custom supply chain solutions come into play for us. So, I mean, anything on a commodity or a custom trim out of the seven yellow pine stick is, is something I'm extremely bullish on. Uh, date, I would say two before 16, number two, in seven yellow pine. Um, there seems to be that kind of flushed out for a little while, but who's to say how long that lasts, right? Because you're buying a 16 foot log, your mill is gonna wanna maximize return on that tonnage. So who's to say that doesn't change pretty rapidly. The other thing that I would date is low grade Southern Yellow Pine. Low grade Southern Yellow Pine over the past seven to 10 days is, has firmed up quite a bit, especially 14 foot. And that goes back to your 16 foot logs and not being able to upgrade on a trim back to a number two. Dump, ah, oh, man, that's tough. I, I don't know. Two to six, eight foot, number three. <laughs> okay. Because there's nowhere to go with it. <laughs> I mean, that, Matt, you gave me, you teed it up, man. I, I, I had to, I had to use it. But and yeah, that, we have like three hundred units of those on the ground. You want to buy some from us? <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. I'm good. Um, but yeah, that that two to six, eight foot, number three. That would be it. Cool. I want to marry. I had a different one, but you maybe changed my mind. I want to marry two by four uh, 12 footers. You guys made me really change my mind on here. And I'm even looking at 10 footers. I got to find out who's hotter. And I'm going to have to run some charts and look at that. Um, date, I'm still on two by four 16s. I love the volatility. Everybody, you know, you have a great, great time out. And all of a sudden the price drops and everybody talks about how how they're selling cheaper and then none of those rumors are true. And all of a sudden it's back up to five eighty, six hundred $600, right? It's all over, but it's liquid. It's something you can move every day. Right. And in, in general, Mary, I want to marry more European production. I think that that's going to be really key as we lose more Western production, as we trade through this wormwood up in the Northeast. And as people are just looking for more, you know, nice fiber uh, break up, I I wanted to break up with just number three in general until we sold a bunch of no grade stamp last week at numbers that I was scratching my head at a little bit. And number three seems to still be moving. And maybe that's just because Texas is 
sucking up a lot of that and and other markets are sucking up a lot of that but i don't really want to break up with anything right now i i think that's okay we we can make that rule up right yeah it's your Greg? it's your show ashley <laughs> Take words right out of my mouth, Take words right out of my mouth. All right, Greg, you or me, buddy? Uh, go ahead, Matt. I want to marry. I've, there's a lot of things I want to marry, but I want to marry economy lumber, green or dry, doesn't matter. I just think economy, kiln wets. You know, just your low your one by four mill run rough. Just your your lowest crappiest forms of lumber that have suffered the most in 2023 because of the the poor crating and and box and and pallet business like i'll give you an example why we bought green dug for two by six economy in the 55 dollar fob mill range here why yeah out west (laughs) and when you do the when when you do the math on that yeah yeah no kidding i'm not gonna lie about this when you do the math on that, you can cut that stuff into 16-foot sections, palletize it, and sell it on Craigslist as firewood, okay? There's some economy things that are going on in, in the West, uh, dry and green, um, and I'm sure Charles knows about this in the South, too, that are just too cheap, and they've been too cheap for a long time, and some of these items will probably double and triple in value as the year goes on, just on a slight increase in business in the industrial sector. And when I'm talking industrial, I'm not talking about the Texas number three business. I'm talking about the guys that make pallets and crates and barrels and and reels and things like that. I think that 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 lumber, that all of that economy, all that residual, really cheap lumber that's that's been available for the last year is going to either go away or it's going to go up in price or both. And so I'm very bullish on on the lowest of the low grades. I would want to date. I think two before him fur and two before yellow pine number two, because those are the cheapest major number two random products on the planet right now. Sometimes you let me know what you want to buy. I can solve. A, I can scratch all your itches, man. I don't, but I, I just don't stock yellow pine. I'm not a yellow pine guy, but I, I noticed the value of it, and I you know I mean I just think it's undervalued compared to everything else. Then Hempfer is undervalued compared to Spruce. I have a massive amount of untapped inquiry for two before number two Spruce, random, just good random. At the price they want to pay is $50 below today's price. And the only thing that even come close to that would be Yellow Pine or Hempfer. And they're still bickering over what the price should be. So I'm, I, I'm dating two before number two of the off species. I don't want to own the thing I want to sell. Now we're going into the dump phase here is um two before us west and inland dry dug fur it's the most expensive plate stock that you can find on print and in america and i just i'm not interested in buying that now i'm going to circle back around to the home center business ashley one of the things that i wrote down on my mary category that i didn't use yeah i've talked about it previously is two before nine two and five eights anything whitewood um, I just think 92s are undervalued right now. And this is the time of year where you can buy good deals on two before 92s. And then sometime in March or April or May, you're going to look back and say, oh, I wish I'd have bought more of those, you know. Like home, so, center, home center grade. Even just stud grade. Just stud grade. two before 92 and five eights, period. I just okay. think that it, it, it's the time of year where you should be investing in them and making some offers on them and be willing to inventory them. And if you look at the value of them compared to what we're paying and selling for random two before plate stock. That being said, 
the final answer to your question about the home center business, we are right at the very beginning of when they start to just jack up their inventory levels. It happens in February every year. It'll continue until Memorial Day. And so what will happen in March and April is that you're going to start seeing more inquiry for premium 92s, premium 96, premium 8-footers, premium 10-footers, just any premium short lumber because the mills can't keep up with the flow of material that they had excesses of in January and part of February. Okay, well, we're, what, a third of the way through February right now? We, we got two-thirds, like, we got, like, another week, maybe 10 days before the the clickety-clack-click of all the busy feet moving around in the home center business is 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 going to be visible and, and palpable in this company. And it's not just us. It's anyone that supplies those businesses on contracts. The lumber that you go and pick up, throw it in your, what'd you call it? A country squire? Country squire. That's the, yeah. the, that's the yeah. car with the woody on the side. I saw one of those the other day. Actually, it was pretty cool. The guy had restored it. He even, he even put like a little wooden handbag on top and, and strapped it in with like They're a- pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, I, I think right now the home center business is just the very beginning of, of its normal annual tear. That, that that starts now. That's perfect. And before I go over to Greg, I'll say that uh, we do have a bunch of 96-inch barcoded premium studs that we're looking to sell trucks of. So little. Do you have uh, any in Texas? If I had a bell, I'd ring it here. No, but Greg shipped a two-by-three eight-footer all the way to Texas the other day. Good, Good sale, Greg. I just got an inquiry for a car two before ninety six inch premium to San Antonio. If you want to help me, I on can that figure out how to show. get it there. Okay, okay. Uh, Greg, what's your thought here? Couple, couple thoughts before I go. Give you my uh, futures. I'm looking at the March contract. Other than a couple of days, is traded like in a four or five dollar range for the last two and a half, three weeks. You know, basically sitting. 10 to $15 premium to the cash market. You know, tight range, I'm looking for a breakout on that. Seasonals are positive for lumber. The, you know, the underlying demand we believe is positive for lumber. The, the lower supply of European and Canadian spruce is a positive for lumber. But I'm almost saying is, is that the market's telling me that something's different and maybe we need maybe maybe we need to drop before we can pop i'm I'm just throwing that out there you know things that make me go huh i'm going huh the other wasn't that also a song from the 90s things that make you go huh <laughs> i was too uh, young flashback. count me out flashback. on this argument <laughs> <laughs> um mary well so hey, well, I can say anything I want. I have no, I have no worry of my wife ever listening to this. So <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely, you know. I start talking about lover, and she just goes, uh, blah blah blah. Um, love her, love her, but she's not a big fan of the show. Um, I, I'm out, I'm out there. I'm standing on the plank uh, on two by four nines. You, you know, you got to be in to win. Great basis trade undervalued relative to the market as a whole like undervalued from an absolute cost basis i think i think two by four nine should be 50 to a hundred dollars a thousand higher you know i got a, i got a five dollar uptick in random today uh so i'm well on my way <laughs> i hope you get that i hope you get that yeah but with, with that said nines nines went down significantly 
below that print price. And they they if they're if you talk about where they're off their low trade price, they're, they're not much. They're not, not much off their low trade. Right. Actually, what I'm starting to see from an inquiry base level is maybe I should be more married to two by six nines. That they went from a massive overvalue to $250 premium down to the same price as two by four nines. They typically carry, they typically carry a premium and I'm seeing an, an uptick in that inquiry level. So I should, maybe I should be married to those and I should not divorce two by fours, but you know, maybe a trial separation. Yeah. I like that. Dating. It's, it's like, we just keep dating two by four 16s and we're going to keep dating them. I will say that I, bought a bunch in the east and was pleasantly surprised that I got that I got MSR. So that was really that was that was a really nice little like uh happy ending for me, if I might say. You can say that on here. Uh, and you know, everybody can everybody can read into that whatever they want. Uh, um <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to follow up on uh Thomas from last week. I am I am I'm dumping I'm breaking up with and I'm flushing old weathered lumber. That's something you should always be breaking up with. Really, what you want to do is not have to break up with it, but it just happens. It was a great show. Um, Charles, thank you for coming on. We'll see you in a couple weeks again. Um, we'll get a schedule out. Matt, thank you for uh, for being on. Greg, appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll circle back next week. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to The Lumber Word. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Lumber Word. The Lumber Word podcast is dedicated to engaging conversations about the lumber industry, including trading ideas, market trends, and evaluations of overvalued and undervalued assets. We wish to emphasize that the discussions and opinions expressed in this podcast are purely for informational and entertainment purposes. They should not be considered as financial or investment advice. We encourage our listeners to make their own financial decisions, taking into account their unique circumstances and financial goals, and to seek professional financial advice if necessary.